Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. What's up, Fungal Associates? Welcome to Completely Arbitrary, the podcast about trees and other related topics. I am still Alex Croson. And I remain Casey Clapp. Hi, Case. Hello, Alex. Good day to you. Good day to you. You know, Thank it's you. a it's a quite sunny, beautiful day outside, Casey. As, as they say, it's a beautiful day. Don't let it get away. You know, words of wisdom. When you got a beautiful day, you got to get out there and enjoy it. That's Although, true. if you don't want to, don't feel guilty for not enjoying. Uh, the the good weather. I, I, I no feel guilty. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 No. Yeah. No, no. No. Yep. No. Yes. <laughs> this podcast is over. Listen, as a great indoorsman living uh, okay. in uh, Oregon, I have hardcore. It's a nice day. Guilt. Mm. Even maybe on that day, I yeah. just I feel like being inside playing my Starfield. All right. You know. It is it is fine to stay inside and, and and on a sunny day, but it's also fine to go outside on a sunny day. True, and you might go outside and enjoy today's tree. Well, could you the Frank Linnea? That's right, Frank Linnea. Can I get some maha? How much do you want? A lot of maha. Wow, Alex, I'll take a lot of maha. <laughs> Casey had a shit eating oh, grin and he crossed his arms. So good, <laughs> I did. Look at me sitting like a here, petulant just, child. I just got exactly what I wanted. <laughs> See what happens when I set you up for your joke. We just knock it out of the park. It was perfect. Uh, yes, today we're talking Frank Linnea, a lot of maha. Yep, which is the maybe the best mnemonic. Yeah, device. Duvice. It's like a duvet. <laughs> it's a blanket of understanding. It really is. It's it's just weighted enough. <laughs> I will never forget it now. Yeah, it's really, it's the easy one, isn't it? A lot of maha. Yeah, Frank Linney, a lot of maha. Wow. It almost sounds like you're speaking Hawaiian, because they like have almost an A or an A sound, isn't it? Like almost between every consonant. There's, a, there's. I feel like there's a quite a few vowels in, in Hawaiian. Yeah. Um, and then they have the what? What is the apostrophe called? Uh, it's almost like a break, like you kind of like catch your oh, breath. Oh, uh, it's a guttural stop. Yes, guttural stop. Yes, Hawaii. Hawaii. Yeah, we're not doing Hawaii. It's Hawaii, and then you stop. You kind of like guttural. clog your throat a yeah, little bit. Hawaii. Well, Casey, uh, Franklinia is the tree of today's that today's is right. uh, episode. Um, before we get into our break. 
Give me a little tease here. Oh, I'll give you a little tease. Well, a little teaser trailer. All right. Here's, so here's your teaser trailer. It's, uh, it's more like uh, if you thought you could go outside and find this tree, you're dead wrong. Oh, my God. We'll be right back with more Clearly Armored. Wow. <laughs> Was that good? Yeah, you good? VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep, the application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs. Just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary. What a cliffhanger. What a cliffhanger indeed. Oh, no. I'm going to sit up straight because I'm excited now. Wow. Casey is adjusting his ass. Hello. <laughs> he is now sitting up straight. Yes. Now I'm proper. <laughs> well, if you raise your mic stand, my boy. I know. All right. Um, Casey, today we're talking Franklinia Alatamaha. That's right. Which is a tree that you said, if I think I can go outside and see it, I'm dead wrong. Yes. And yeah. to which I replied during the break, that better not be a threat. It wasn't. Yeah, I'm not going to hurt you. Everything's okay. fine. Thank God. Today we're talking Franklinia Casey. Yes, I, sir. You know, usually during during a uh, during an intro here, I would say, let's imagine that you and I are walking and so and so. We come across some of these trees. I will tell you uh, where we should be walking. That's fine. Yes, good. Okay. We are walking in um, the historic Bartrim's Garden. I was going to suggest that it was a museum of natural science. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not, it's, it's not that dead. Okay. Well, Casey, where are we walking? Ah, we are walking in the historic Bartrim's Garden. The historic in, Bartram's Garden. Yes, it is in Philadelphia. Wow, PA. Mm-hmm, and we right. come across some Franklinia. Yeah. You also call this the Franklin tree, which yes. I really love. It reminds me of the the turtle Franklin. Ah, uh, yes. Okay, this is uh, n- uh, probably not, actually, I, I know for sure, not named after him. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. Let's ID this tree. Oh, right. So, if we're walking in this garden uh, today, we are going to see two or maybe one very large shrubby tree looking thing ah so it used to get uh some of the older ones that i think are probably actually have fallen or decayed and are gone now got to about 50 feet tall but they would also grow multiple stems so it kind of shoots up from the bottom so this is one of those tree Hmm. shrub kind of things where it's like well is it a tree is it a shrub it's hard to tell but Generally speaking, it'll get about 30 feet tall. Most of the time, you'll see it in the especially cooler climbs, staying as kind of a lower multi-stem shrubby thing. But I have seen pictures that is, uh, it looks like a tree. It looks like a small tree. And it's kind of like it looks a bit like a single stemmed rhododendron. It kind of does, yeah, or like maybe a multi stemmed stewardia, something Mm. like that, which is very closely related to. Right. Um, And this is uh, historically 
a tree that would be found natively growing in Georgia. Hmm. And I think down there, it, it does tend to like create little cops, little groves of itself by uh, vegetative reproduction. So it, a branch hits the ground and then it would re-sprout oh. or it sends, sends sprouts up from roots that get you know damaged or it just decides it's what it's going to do. That new kind roots, of thing. new shoots. New roots, new shoots. The thing just keeps cooking. All right. So it is, I'm going to call it a small tree or a very large shrub much of the time that you're going to see it. I think for the purposes of the podcast, we got to call it a small tree. I think legally. so. Yeah. So why don't you beep out whatever I just said? <laughs> just get rid of all that. Don't worry about it. It's it's generally upright. It has um, a beautiful, like, kind of droopy kind of appearance mm. to the crown. All the leaves kind of grow very, very kind of uh, uh, droopily. They, yeah. they just kind of like hang. You know what I mean? Do you see pictures of that? For sure. They. I mean, that that look always reminds me of like. If you hold like a squid, yeah, do you know what I mean? I think I do. And its tentacles kind of come out and go down, yeah, in a droopy fashion. Oh my god! Uh, or like an octopus. I, I don't. I don't do that often. But I you know. no no. I I. I <laughs> but every now and then, yeah. when I'm in the area, oh yeah, you I gotta stop sp- by and hold yeah, an octopus. You, you gotta do it by the tentacles. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think I think that is a fine way to describe it. Sure. Yeah. So let's see. So the leaves, they're alternate. Uh, they're simple leaves. And they are obovate, which I, I wow. love. And we try not to use these technical terms. But for those of you who don't know, I'm kind of trying to get my my feet wet in some technical aspects of tree identification. Okay. So that I can turn them into not technical aspects of tree identification. Uh, in a book. Theoretically, it'll happen. Anyway... The moral of my story is obovate just means that it's widest near the tip. Oh, okay. So if you think about something that's ovate, it's egg-like is what that means. Right. So an egg generally has a bigger base and kind of a smaller tip. You know what I mean? I'm just I'm just putting together a little etymological. Oh, you are ovum. Uh huh. Uh, Oval. Ovate. Wow. There you go. It's all there. But this is... Ob-ovate. Okay. Which means it is the opposite, where the the end is wider than the base. That's interesting. Yeah. So if you look at the leaf, you can see pretty clearly what uh, what that kind of means. And then if you look at something like a prunus avium, the bird cherry, it mm-hmm. does the exact opposite. And most leaves that you imagine that you just have in your brain, those are going to be kind of normally ovate leaves, where the base gets wider and then it tapers down to some tip. Great ID characteristic. It's a great ID characteristic. Casey, can we talk about the? Um, well, I want to. I'm, I'm most excited, I think, to talk about the flowers of this yeah, tree. Yeah, they're um, fantastic. But maybe we should, you know, delay our gratification and talk about the I bark. Don't, I don't think so. I don't think so because the bark is uninteresting, as far as I can tell. Well, let's get it out of the way then. The bark just, is uninteresting. It's brown. Uh, it's bark. Sometimes I think it gets a little rough. Utility that's, bark. It's about it. It's utility bark. It doesn't right. really have a whole lot going on. It is related to some trees that have some intense. Gorgeous looking bark, but it does not, wow. according to my understanding. Now, the talent skipped a generation. It totally huh? did. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, eh, sorry, not going to be you, but your sister yeah. is going to be beautiful. She's a young concert pianist. Exactly. And you can barely hit a T ball. Yeah. So, you know what? Why don't you just keep on your jeans? <laughs> We're not going to put you in fancy slacks. It's <laughs> exactly what this is. So, the, uh, the thing about it, though, is, uh, I have not actually seen this tree in 
real person. I oh think, actually, I might have to take that back. I've seen it, but I didn't give it two cents worth of my time. Okay. I was just like, oh, yeah, it's Frank Linney. Okay, whatever. And I just kept walking. I didn't like really pay attention to it because I didn't know it the way I know it now. Wow. Which is our subject, which we'll get to in a second. Before that, I do want to talk about these flowers. Alex. Gorgeous. They're gorgeous, and apparently they are huge. Sometimes they can get up to like three inches across. Dang. Like, they're massive, apparently. That's not that big. Well, it, I mean, for a flower, could you imagine? I mean, that's uh, like that's pretty good size. I guess I, I look at them and I think of magnolia, which oh, are like seven yeah. inches across. Exactly. They can get way bigger. Yeah. True. All right. This is pretty good size for what you, you know. Okay. It's yes. bigger than like a linden flower or something. Right. Yeah. Bigger than most cherries and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it is, uh, it has, you know, many different petals. I think it's somewhere between five and seven petals. Hmm. Um, but the thing about it is it looks like a camellia flower. And it is, in fact, in the same family, the tea family, which is Teaceae. Ah. Now, before we go a little any further than this, I have a bit of a bone to pick. Wow. With that family. Teaceae is the tea family, which has what you and I all know of as tea. Green tea, black tea, uh, is that, that is the thing. Anyway, the moral of the story is they are, they have camellias in this same family. Camellia mm. and Stuardia and Franklinia and Gordonia. Are you noticing anything with this? Nia? Mm, yeah, okay, that's good. Now take away that and say all those names again. Stuart, Camille, Frank, Stuart, Camille, Frank, all these Gordon. trees are named after people. These are all just, yeah. Maybe it's a Narcissus situation. These used to be humans oh, and they were turned yeah, into trees. Okay, maybe. That's a good point. So <laughs> we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll maybe say Wow. Maybe. But yeah, so I was actually doing uh, last week a bunch of study on stewardias, trying to make, make sure I could tell them all apart, the, uh-huh. the ones that are growing here in Portland. I found four species. And they are all named after this guy named Stuart. And Stuart is, uh, he was apparently the third Earl of Butte. B-U-T-E. Wow. And uh, all he did is, I think, finance some things. Like, I don't even know that he was, in fact, like, doing stuff that i think sucks. he just happened to be like yes go and look at these plants and then and they were named like, in his honor because exactly he, oh fuck that but see this is what happened way back when if it was a tree that had a latin base that we could say yes this is the uh the larch so it's larix which is what the latins you know mm-hmm. people who spoke latin the romans and all these people that's what they would have said so there are names of plants that have this because when European scientists named plants, as we know, Linnaeus is the one that we follow his method now. Yeah. So he named all these plants. He named all of our Gordonias, our Camellias, and Stuardias. And so he just said, yeah, okay, well, there's no Western name for these plants, at least a European name, I should say. Because hmm. you can go even further west and you keep going around in circles and who knows where you're at. So Linnaeus said, there is no name, so I'm just going to name these after people that I know (laughs) or that someone else has decided they know and they're going to do it. My mailman, Gordon. Exactly. Hey, Gordon, uh, thanks for the delivery. I'm going to name this whole genus after you. (laughs) My ex-wife, Camilla. (laughs) Right? Apparently, it's a Jesuit botanist named George Joseph Camel, K-A-M-E-L. And they just spelled it differently. Who knows why? But wow. there it is. And same thing, Gordonia is named after uh, James Gordon, which is a British nurseryman. Hmm. So uh, Franklinia, you guess uh, who that Franklin is? Franklin. Yes. Do I know this person? You do. Now, personally, no, you don't. But also, probably intimately. 
uh, it couldn't be Benjamin Franklin. Oh, it could. Really? Apparently, Benjamin Franklin was good buddies with John Bertram. John Bertram was a plantsman who became world famous because in the late 1600s was going up and down the East Coast, sending plants back over to England. And they were like, ooh. And like I think the George III named him the royal uh, like official botanist from North America wow. at some point. Yeah. So, uh, and then he and his like all of his sons had this property, and they created this the first. This is the first, uh, at least let's say it's the first as you know someone says that's the first one to do this as officially speaking a botanic garden. Amazing. Which is the Bertram House, which is where we are currently walking through, looking at this. Oh line. right, I forgot. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> that's incredible, Casey. Wow, yeah. Benjamin Franklin. Are, are you saying that I have He's familiarity with him because I have his face in my wallet? Uh, yes, and just everyone knows Benjamin oh, Franklin. Oh sure. You know, like the lightning and you yeah. know all that bifocals, etc. Yeah, so it's really, it's I don't know. I find it frustrating because I know there's indigenous names for these trees elsewhere. Yeah. But there's also like this one might be the only example where there is no really official worthy name i don't know if any of the native peoples have a name for this tree Hmm. the reason why is alex this tree is extinct in the wild wow and i know we haven't got to the flowers yet but i just there's what you're looking forward to so uh we have not been able to say uh hey in our modern day you person have uh your people have been here for how long what's this tree they, 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 I, no one's named it. There's no name for this tree. How long has it been extinct in the wild? Since 1805, I believe. That is so specific. Yes, it is so specific because we have records if, of all these different things. But we'll get to that in just one second. Wow, another cliffhanger. Yeah. First, everyone go look at this flower. It's pretty good. It's gorgeous. They describe it as an egg yolk inside of mm. an egg. Oh. That's the colors. It's great. Yeah. I see a few images here. I mean, you said five to seven. It seems pretty much like five across the board okay. as far as I can tell. All right, good, 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 good. At least from the Google image search. Um, but I saw uh, another uh, another kind of trend among these photos is that it has sort of like that, um, we talked about like that orchid shape. Yeah. Where it has like, it's symmetrical all the way, all the way around. And then it has kind of like a tongue on the bottom, like one of the petals on the bottom. Oh. Kind of the center petal is kind of comes out. And its own sort of shape. Yeah, I see what you're talking about. If that makes sense. I don't know that that is like a 100% always thing. That might just be the photo that I saw. Yeah, because I think a lot of them, they they kind of open up and um, they don't stay perfectly uh, uniform, I guess. Like Mm. one petal will kind of like really open up. The other petal will kind of open up. The other two will be somewhere in the middle and the third one will just be there. And they're so, they're so gent, they're so thin and and, uh, sensitive. They don't, they're not going to be, I I don't think that they are always that kind of symmetrical. So orchids and pea flowers, for instance, they have the same kind of, symmetry that we are talking about where it's vertical so if you cut it vertically the left and rights look exactly the same but if you cut it horizontally the top and the bottom don't look the same yeah so this is a case where i think that might just be that particular flower in that particular photo gotcha because for most part they they don't necessarily follow that pattern and the egg yolk center it looks tasty stunning i just want to take yeah. a big bite it's just this really dark orangish yellow it's covered in all the uh the stamen and pistols right there that are doing all the work with the big white and i mean like like perfectly 
like magnolia white flower. It's like creamy white. Yeah, and it, they're the outside of the petals are not fringed, which will set it a little bit apart from the Stewardian neighbor. It is also deciduous, which separates it from Gordonia. Hmm. So there's a couple little changes, and uh, the flower apparently will bloom for a single day. It will pop open, wow. and then it'll be done after that. But it has multiple different flower buds that all come on different times. So on any given day, there's a flower or many flowers, but there is not the same flower mm. more than two days in a row. There's something to that metaphorically. Right? And here's another bit. It blooms in late summer and early fall. So the mm. flowers will be actively doing their thing while the leaves are actively turning red, a bright, gorgeous, burgundy red before they go dormant and fall wow. away. Then everything stays in stasis until the next spring. <laughs> and then everything starts going again. So the, uh, the, the zygotes, the actual uh, the things inside comes to just a whole complete stop. Everything that's happening in terms of the development of the seed and the fruit. So if... If the flower comes in the early fall, yeah. late summer, uh-huh. the fruit, as far as I know, always comes after the flower. Yes. So is this like a winter fruit? No, it comes in the springtime. So the fruit is ripe in the next spring. Oh. So it, it goes straight dormant during the winter time. It and just stands still. The fruit pops out. Mm-hmm. In what early spring? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, the uh, and the fruit is really fun. It's this like uh, hard circular uh, capsule that kind of opens up a little bit. Has got five sides, and then the capsule just kind of goes whoop, and has a little seed that pops out of it. Looks a bit like an olive. Yeah, a little bit, but almost then it, like a it has like a little hole too, or something, or like a little cap. Yes, and it opens up. I think the cap is really just the top, so it's almost like petals covering, mm. but they're kind of they become woody. But then they, it's kind of like a, a Brussels sprout where it's just the leaves covering the little bud. And then as it matures, it opens up and then hardens. And so it doesn't actually have, the, there's not like a second part that's that cap. Wild. It's just the leaves or the, the, the fruit components overlapping on one another. Interesting. Yeah. So you can see this in full form, flowering and fall color all at the same time of year. What a delight. I, I love when that happens. I've never heard of that happening. Like I, this oh. is just like, I think it's the first time. So what do you know that I don't know? <laughs> Casey, well, you talked about a tree, um, I think last week, the sourwood. That, that, uh, uh, yes. That's, that's not quite the same thing. Yeah, they, they, not, they bloom, then they fruit, and then they start going dormant. Yeah. But this is like apparently actively flowering while it's actively going dormant Pretty in cool. the leaves. Which is so weird. Like, that's such a strange thing. Yeah. So... Anyway, snacking. Yeah, there's a couple others that I think kind of do that. The Higgin cherry will do that a little bit, but not like it. I think it's more that the tree's kind of like, well, it's still warm out. I guess I'll flower again it, almost by accident. Mm. Whereas this is by design. This tree is, this is how it does it. Interesting. You know? It's not just like getting the wrong cue from the weather. This sure. is its choice. It makes me think if it's, uh, if it's an ecological anachronism, potentially. Very well may be, Alex. Wow. The reason that I think that might be so accurate is that this tree, officially speaking, does not exist in the wild. Wow. Here's the quick story. In which, the wild. In the, in the wild. wild. That's, in the, the wild. that's the big asterisk. That I is, always get confused with that. 
You're like, it's it's uh, it's extinct. Yeah, but old, it, you know. In the wild. Yeah, so it's it, growing in arboretums and shit. Exactly, yeah. And, in you know, like, you know, specific gardens. But yeah. this tree, this whole thing, it's a fascinating story. Wow. Bertram, John, the elder, uh, found this tree along a river called the Altamaha River, not mm. the Alatamaha River. Apparently, there were two means of spelling the name of this river way back sure. when. So when they got the scientific name in the late 1700s, it was, uh, actually, I think it was Gordonia pubescens. And then uh, they changed it from or it was Gordonia Alamaha, but then they spelled it differently, and now the official name of the river is different, but it's the same river. Anyway, it's in Georgia. What the fuck are they doing down there? I don't know. They John just really went off the deep end. <laughs> went down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul to steal. He was way behind. He was in a bind. He found Franklinia in the soil. Yeah, he was looking for a tree to name. Yeah, exactly. He found one. Wow. So apparently when he left, some guy uh, in England said, we are looking for a tree, and I'll paraphrase, essentially, it needs to look beautiful, have mm. an incredible flower. Uh-huh. We also want a tree that smells good. We want a plant <clears> that has a beautiful, delicious smelling flower, very fragrant. We also want it to be singular. We want it to be the tree that nobody else has. Oh. Don't give us don't give us one that smells good and looks good, but other people have, and maybe this is just a good smelling version of it. We want something brand new. Oh, you know when your boss is like, make something great. I need an idea. It has to be brand new. Yes. I want it to be like Star Wars and Star Trek mixed together, but like <laughs> nothing like them all. <laughs> oh my God. I have to I have to tell this. There there's a great line from Peep Show, my favorite uh, British sitcom. Um, or comedy show, I guess you would call it. Strange um, show. It's amazing. Anyway. But one of the characters is a musician. Uh-huh. He's kind of a hack. And he gets hired by an old school friend to write a piece of music for a Honda commercial. And he's like, so what, what kind of thing are you looking for? And this guy, a friend goes, hmm, you know the soundtrack to Jaws? Well, I don't want that. <laughs> and that well, was his only that. piece of direction. <laughs> and Jez is like, in his, in his internal uh, monologue, he goes, I can't just write not Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can write that. This is kind of like that, yeah. I think. Yeah. <laughs> this is the not Jaws of the tree world. You know the monkey puzzle? Yeah, I don't want that. I don't want that. That's already, that's old news. <laughs> Actually, I think at this point, monkey puzzle might have not been news. Uh-huh. I think this is pre-monkey puzzle. Okay. So, uh, John Bartram went down to Georgia. He found this tree, and it is. he's like, oh, I found this extraordinary shrub growing mm. next to this river. And so, they took some seeds, and, uh, and they took some cuttings because there was no seeds at the time, and then came back a couple years later and collected some seeds. And they said, yeah, I, we've not seen this, this same plant anywhere on our travels from Pennsylvania to Pensacola. We've not seen it a single time. Wow. Anywhere else but right here. Remind me where his home base was? Uh, At the time, it was Pennsylvania, just outside of this nascent city of Philadelphia. Okay. Now his home is inside the city limits of uh, this large city we know as Philadelphia. But his house is uh, the first botanical garden. They ended up uh, getting it protected. Uh, So they 
found this tree and started distributing the plants and it hit the mark perfectly. Big, beautiful flowers. They smell great. In fact, they're noted as some of the most beautiful looking and smelling flowers anyone had ever seen at the time. Like they were like perfect. People were stoked about this thing. So they, uh, they ended up getting this plant kind of distributed across the 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 world because they took it back to this uh what used to be it was a farm and they took like a small little section of the farm and this guy would like plant interesting flowers Hmm. and then he got this 50 acre plot of land and made that into a the first botanical garden because he was just stoked about planting weird stuff Hmm. and just wanted to do it and just had a passion so he'd trade plants for like books and equipment to go find plants wow so pretty cool so this John Bertram, I think, really had kind of a fun start. So ended up finding this plant and started growing it, and it got two of them to successfully grow. And over the the next about 60 or so years, they got between 30 and 50 feet tall, and the biggest trunk diameter was 14 inches of these, these two big trees. Pretty big. Yeah, pretty good size. They ended up transferring some seeds and some cuttings. They did layering techniques, uh, which helped um, vegetatively reproduce these these trees. And I'm saying this very specifically. These trees at the garden. These trees at the garden. These two individuals, they were propagating things from those two individuals, mm-hmm. either from seed or from cuttings. They got distributed out to the rest of the world. Slowly but surely, people got this really unique, interesting flowering plant. And they're like, wow, this is so great. It's so singular. Wow. (laughs) In a word, singular. Singular. So they're sending these seeds to like other arboretums and gardens. Yeah, exactly. I guess, did arboretums exist yet? Uh, Not really. This is, uh, um, Arnold Arboretum started to come online in probably, I think, 1820, something like that, somewhere in there. So maybe they were sending to like royalty or- Exactly. uh, It was was the rich plant people in Europe who were like, yes, I would like that plant, please. I see. Thank you. This was your Gordons and your Stuarts and your, you know, whoever. Yeah, your Uh, Charles. Yeah, thank you. You get it. So they, uh, so they started doing that and spread all these, these plants around slowly but surely. They got also very popular because nursery folks in Philadelphia started growing them. Hmm. So they kind of spread throughout this Philadelphia area. Not spread as in seed themselves in. They were only being planted in people's yards and estates by people, for people, in every way. So here's the thing. In about the early 1800s, some people kept going by and they're like, we can't find this tree anymore. Like, it's gone. They went to the same exact spot, which a couple people had been to, other plant collectors. In Georgia. In Georgia. Hmm. The tree's gone. They never found a wild population outside of that one right there next to the Altamaha River. Um, And that's it. And then, one day, it disappeared. This is a mystery of the ages. Wow. Nobody knows what happened to this tree. No one knows if it had gone extinct, like, because we destroyed the land, uh, there was a disease, like, no one's quite sure. But oh my gosh. Uh, that's the only native population anyone has ever found to this day. And trust me, people have looked. Does not exist. So, uh, Wow, so, a so mystery. It's a mystery. Now, Unsolved. so here, here are some ideas. Someone went back uh, in the 1800s and they had noticed that the land near this area had been cleared for a a cotton plantation. Oh. So this is the South. Cotton plantations were the way life was way back when. So they cleared the land for a cotton plantation. So some people think that there is a, a 
very common disease across the entire world now um, was the actual thing that went into uh, the soil and killed this plant. Wow. So that's one option. And the disease is Phytophthora cinnamomum. Wow. Yes, which you may know because yeah. that is the same disease that would be killing the uh, Wollamai pine oh, down in Australia. This yes. is the one that they're trying to make sure it does not get into that grove. Oh, yeah. So there are, uh, it's a worldwide disease that affects a bunch of different things and either kills them or causes other trouble, all this kind of stuff. So that is the species that this tree they know of today in all the different horticultural uh, applications that it will completely kill the hell out of it. Okay. So that could be one thing. Make a big plantation of cotton and then that disease comes in, which affects cotton, which I don't know that it does. I read both these things, but no one actually connected. Uh, Is this a cotton disease that then was brought from the cotton and then got into the the trees Mm -hmm. or is that just coincidence no one knows well when you said that they put a cotton plantation there i thought you were going they clear cut the whole place which could have been too okay yeah i don't know yeah no one knows because they didn't say that but that that was my first thought too yeah like oh well they cleared the land and killed this one population of trees that's more of a smoking gun that feels like it right yeah. yeah also because i don't know how much uh, way back when, I don't know how they propagated uh, their cotton. Oh. I know they would get rid of the seeds and then plant all the new seeds. That would be my assumption, but I just don't know. Yeah. So that's one option. Other option, of course, it was cleared. The other option is that climate change happened and the trees just died. Mm. They just couldn't handle it for whatever reason. Do we have uh, Do we have fossil evidence of this tree? Uh, I don't. I think I don't know. Actually, that's a good question. Okay. I don't know if we have fossil evidence, but. It's interesting that you asked that, Alex, because there is theories about what happened to this tree and how it got to that particular uh, predicament in the first place. Particular predicament, precisely. So the, uh, the idea about fossils, Alex, is a very good question to ask. Mm. Here's why. This area of Georgia and kind of the southern Appalachian Mountains Mm -hmm. is known as a glacial refuge. Hmm. What that means is that historically, glaciers covered most of northern North America, and that caused the climate of the kind of southern half of the land mass to be more or less what the northern half is today. Right, a little more temperate. Yeah, exactly. And you have a lot of uh, migrating plants that would be growing in these kind of upper echelons. And then they would say, oh, well, as these climate or as the climate cools and these glaciers come south, I too am going to migrate south. Right. So there was a species of spruce tree called the Critchfield spruce wow. that actually grew on the banks of the Mississippi River hmm. where there's no spruce even anywhere near that today. today yeah. yeah, maybe the red spruce, maybe. But white hmm. spruce, hundreds of miles to the north. It's just not the right climate. It's for just it. not the right. It's way too hot. It's yeah. like almost borderline subtropical and you just are not able to find a species that grows at the highest latitudes, that at the highest mountains, all these kinds of things. Like it's a cold, hardy species. Mm. Doesn't grow that far south. Got it. So that is a very curious thing. And they found these things. And they found river... Uh, river channels that acted as these refugees because A, rivers and water bodies are good at keeping temperatures somewhat regulated. Mm -hmm. 
So the rivers would have been flowing down. They would have helped keep the temperatures and the climate a little bit more uh, regular and reduce the giant swings. But they're also lowland enough that as all of these glaciers came down and all the higher peaks would be really cold and rough, the lower down river valleys would be these refuges where these different species would live and be perfectly happy. Hmm. It would be the right, the right mix of environmental niches and all these other characteristics that you had plants just live there. As the glaciers receded and went north, many of those plants continued north, and as the climate changed, they disappeared in their southern areas and then just became fully established in their old zones way up north again. Does that okay. make sense so yeah, far? Yeah, so that, well, I, I, I think ultimately you're, you're talking about, like, plants migrating with the yeah. glaciers. Exactly, Which we've yeah. talked about before, like how black spruce, I think, I think we've talked about it in the black spruce episode. Where, like, when the glaciers would move south, black spruce would grow, you know, like, in Georgia. Exactly. It'd grow really far south. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. then now we only know them as a tree that grows in, like, Canada. Exactly. Um, okay. It's a, it's right. It's about the same idea. Yeah. We, without getting too specific about it, that's the scheme. Okay. Yeah. And this is what they think happened with this plant, as well as things like the Florida toria, which hmm. is a species of conifer very closely related to the yews, and in fact, the southern yew, the Florida yew, same thing. There are these plants that have these, like, this is their only population that's growing down in this completely disjunct area. Oh. They're like, why are these growing here? They, they shouldn't be here. They are species that would be growing in a different place in any other situation, like the California toria mm-hmm. goes all up and down the east or the the west coast of California, goes it grows inland just a little bit, and it but there it is. But that's another refuge spot in the the California area. It's why we have all these weird species in California too. It essentially is this same kind of refuge from either the glaciers or the really cool mountain peaks, all these different things, and also heat coming up. California is just a mind blowing. We don't even need to get into it right now. So the idea is that these are these these few specimens of this like tree that shouldn't even exist where it's existing. Yeah, are sort of the last like left behind refugees yeah. of this migration pattern. Exactly. Yeah. And now wow. I should say this Crutchfield spruce. It, it doesn't exist. It's extinct entirely. Oh my god. No, no one has it. They've only found it in uh, the fossil record. And this is one day going to be something we got to talk about because the Crutchfield spruce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though it doesn't exist, maybe we'll do it on a Patreon episode. Sure. Because they basically said this is not close enough to any of the other existing spruces that we can call it a white spruce, but it's very closely related to Picea glauca, the white spruce. Hmm. So they're like, this is its own species. It went extinct within the last about 12,000 years, which is apparently the only plant species that has gone extinct in the late quaternary, which essentially is our modern era. The only plant species that has gone extinct in our modern era? This is what it says, which I find a little dubious. It might be maybe tree species, but what I read said plant. But I didn't go too far into that because I had to stay focused on the tree that we were talking about. (laughs) So one day we'll talk more about it. But they they say, and uh, this Wikipedia page that I just navigated to has a really good um, little 
description or a little photo uh-huh. and it shows the peak glacial refugees for trees in the southern Appalachian Mountains and it shows rivers so the the Critchfield Spruce has a river that is the Mississippi and then it kind of pops off and becomes this other river and I don't actually know what that river is kind but, of a rabbit head shape yeah and then there's another one that's the California Toria and then there's our Franklin tree oh. which they're pretty positive only grew along this river refuge that is now what we call the Altamaha River in kind of south central eastern Georgia. South central eastern Georgia. Yes, because it kind of starts in central and then it goes to the south and then okay. to the southeast. So it's kind of that quadrant, but I it's, didn't want It's hard so. for me to I'm I'm a I'm a visual uh oh, mm-hmm. uh directionality learner. Gotcha. So when somebody gives me like verbal directions I, uh, I just have to interrupt them and say don't wait don't fucking waste your don't time. even worry about it all right let me uh, <laughs> it was it's it's the river that comes out of brunswick uh georgia thank Alex. you you're welcome thank you now in terms i, I can it. understand sorry 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 go bruins um <laughs> i know uh that's really interesting casey yeah so, so this this sort of reminds me of um you know that gentleman that poor 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 gentleman who accidentally killed the world's oldest tree. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. This sort of reminds me of that story in a way where right? this plant explorer went to Georgia. He was not he was looking for a tree to, to propagate. Yes. And he took some back and then a few years later they're all fucking gone. Yeah. Um I and I wonder if he had anything to do with it. I'm suddenly forgetting his name. We've talked about him many Oh, it's Bertram. Bertram. John Bertram. Uh, John, John. Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if his influence had anything to do with it. Maybe, but this is the thing. Uh, from everything that I've read, it has not been over-harvested. Like, no one went down there and took all of the plants. Yeah. They they just died and disappeared. Okay. So well, I no, like to think he didn't do anything wrong. But. Right? I also like to think that. And But it's also this other idea that I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about was like the idea of being extinct in the wild. Yeah. So... I would not be surprised if uh, it went extinct and just went the way of the Critchfield Elm. Essentially, the conditions changed. It was only in this one spot because everything else changed. It couldn't get out of that quick enough like all the other plants that around it. This is the one that's like, well, all right, I guess this is where I'm growing. It's another refuge from like all the other plants because this is the same thing uh, we talked about with the hickory episode where there are species of uh Asian, Southeast Asian plants that are very closely related to Southeast United States or Southeast North American plants, uh-huh. but they are disjunct, disjunct populations. Right. So they are, they were at one point separated, but they used to be together. Right. So this is another example of that where you can go over to Southeast Asia and you can find other species that are very closely related to the Franklinia, uh-huh. Stewardia, for example, Gordonia, all these kinds of things. Okay. So I think mm. that this might just be a, hey, your time's come. You didn't move quick enough and poof, you're gone. Other trees have done this. So why couldn't you, maybe just couldn't react quick enough to the changes in the, in the climate. Interesting. As the last glacial, as the last glaciers slowly or maybe quickly receded in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? But, Extinct in the wild is very fascinating to me, Alex, because it's the question of like, 
is can, can we just come up with a different term? <laughs> right. That was my first thought. I was like, it's it's an oxymoron. Exactly. Right? It is precisely my problem with it. Yeah. Where it's it is extinct. Except for it's not in any way. You can go up to Hoyt Arboretum. Yeah. You can go get it. I bet you we could go to a couple fancier nurseries and we can find the Franklin tree. Yeah, like those aren't like fake versions. No. Those the, are the tree. They are the tree, except Living I in say, soil. They are the tree that have either been clones, like cuttings, or seeds from those two trees yeah. that John initially captured and started to grow that's the really amazing part yeah the genes of this completely awful this is like such a bottleneck mm. where it's kind of stunning where i mean who knows we never did the dna tests of all the rest maybe that was just one clonal colony that that's why it died is that there was just one and it just kept on cloning itself and then at one point it got a disease, and because there's only one, and it's susceptible to that disease, yeah. the whole thing's gone. Wow. Who knows? And it could be just that. Same exact thing as the Wollomai pine. They're all connected. They sprout from all the roots. You get one disease in there, it could take out the entire population. Mm. This is an even smaller population than those, which are famously a small population. So do we do we want to maybe workshop a new term for extinct in the wild? Yeah, I think we should and okay. come up with something that's, I don't know, more applicable. But yeah, what do you think? you have well, any ideas? Well, I guess I would say... Um, it it is non-existing in its native in its native range or yeah, something. Or I, I feel like domesticated is the oh only, domesticated the only, is good somewhere in there. Like uh, oh, this is uh, uh, there's a wild. Uh, it grows wild. It has a native population. This is a uh, oh, it's a oh, I was gonna say no native. Like oh, this is a, this is a, a no native ornamental. Oh. Or, like it's got I, no thing. There's there's a map you go to uh, uh -huh. to Wikipedia, and usually they have like a map with a little green kind of space that says uh -huh. here's where it grows. It's just blank. It's just blank. <laughs> <laughs> it, just has, it just has Georgia on it. I <laughs> love that it. they still put it on there. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> I I like domesticated Casey because you know we don't we don't have as far as I know we don't have like wild chickens. Yeah, you right. Know, or yeah. wild cows. We do the same thing with dogs and yeah. apples, pears, plums, like the things that have been so uh, used by humans. The wild ancestors of apple is Severzii mm -hmm. versus the one that you go and pick things. We call it domestica right. or malus domestica. Canine versus, you know, wolves or whatever. Exactly. Because it's, uh, what did they call it? I think it's uh, like Canis... Canis domesticus or something oh, like that. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, so they, they specifically have named wow. it as its own species particular to it being a domesticated thing. I think I think we're not we're not just due for uh, a term change here. Like, I, I think we should go with domesticated. Ah, okay. So domesticated I think is reasonable, but the reason I also am kind of like, eh, is that that says nothing about its... Um, its Nativity. You can have something that's domesticated, but then you can go back and find its ancestors growing wild still. Oh, so there, still. Oh, there are ancestors yeah, sure. of chickens out there and dogs. We know those. They're wolves. So, what are the ancestors of chickens? Uh, it's just another kind of chicken. 
it, but it's uh, it's not the big fat ones that we eat and lay perfect eggs all the time. Uh-huh. They're like these skinny, uh, very wild looking birds that look a lot more akin to maybe a pheasant or something oh, like yeah. that. But they grow down in like the southeastern Asian islands. <laughs> grow. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Live. Ooh. A tree man through and through. Hey, that's right. Don't uh, don't get me wrong. <laughs> Um, okay, so deme- yeah, maybe domesticated isn't perfect. We don't have to yeah. come up with the term live here. I think it's. We'll have to, I don't want yeah. to kill the momentum of the episode. Right. Well, I guess then the idea would be someone needs to yeah. come up with this. I also, I mean, I think if you're going to do that, you should maybe look at a look at a name change for the for the Franklinia, Franklinia, and yeah. potentially even a, uh, a scientific name change. Yeah, I think that'd be great. Unfortunately, I don't think the uh, the they just don't work that way, but. It would be great if they did. Yeah, they don't. I'm, they they honor uh, precedence. Who did it? Who did it first? Nobody should honor precedence. Yeah. Well, I no. I I, I think you should, uh, Alex. I'm a little more punk rock than Casey. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Anarchy, baby. Anyway, so this is uh, this is an interesting interesting little tree. Yeah. It grows beautiful. It does weird things. It's disappeared off the face of the planet, mm-hmm. except for where it is everywhere. It, yeah. It just that, hasn't. Exactly. But the native, the fact that it disappeared, like usually we can, with so much information, like you could, there's giant articles about this plant being found, Mm. but there's, there's nothing, no one knows why it it completely disappeared. We have some guesses, but we can't prove anything. And on top of this, we know, we know exactly where it was. Like you could go back there. It's on Wikipedia. You can see the little circle. It turns out. And you're just like, well, it's like a scene of a crime. Yeah. It feels weird for it to be just gone and also not at the same time. I don't know. It freaks me out. Before we go to our break, Casey, um, I want to propose one last theory. Yes. One final cliffhanger. And it's, uh, I just have two words for you. Alien abduction. Oh my God. We'll be right back with our review of the Frank Linnea right after this. Welcome back. Um, Casey. Yeah. It's time for our root and tootin' review of this Frank Linnea. Here's how it works. We're going to give some final thoughts on this tree and then give it a rating of 0 to 10 golden cones of honor. Casey, as our resident expert, we'll begin with you. Okay, so the, the Frank Linnea. I, A, honestly... I get it, and I, I I like the name is just fine. But God, I just I just want a name that is the name of the tree yeah. for the tree's sake. It's not named after anyone. It, it is yeah. its own thing. It really annoys me when trees are named after people. Yeah, and I'm learning more and more. Like like camellia and uh, magnolia are two recent ones where I'm like, what I. I would have swore that that was a name that came from something else. Yeah. But no, Magnolia comes from a guy, comes from another dude's name. It's crazy. I want to I want to redact my statement of that I hate when trees are named after people because of our beloved David Douglas. Yes, right? And the Douglas fir. Right? And and that's that's fair. That's another example, but I guess it's even honestly that scientific name has its problem because it's false hemlock. Like I'm thinking more scientific names. Okay. okay. Like oh, whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever you want to call it. I guess I really don't care for that the common name. But for the scientific name, I don't know. Ah, 
it goes all out of different ways. So, it's not science. Not scientific. Yeah, and it doesn't help explain anything about it yeah. or honor something about the tree for the tree's sake. Sure. This is just like, it, it's a completely arbitrary name. It's like, well, that's Alexei. It's like, well, what? What does that have to do with the tree? Yeah, it's Nothing. like an ego-driven exactly, excuse. Exactly, yeah. It's a nice honorific whatever. Yeah. Anyway, so... I'm going to give this little tree a 6.1 because I don't think it grows into a big, gorgeous tree. Mm -hmm. I would take a Stewardia over this or a Godonia over this almost every day of the week. They'll get big. They actually have tree form. They're not going to be like very persnickety. Here's another thing. It needs the perfect conditions. It has to have acid soil, not too much water. Right. It can't have too much sun. It also can't get too cold. You like, know what I want to say to a tree like that? What? That's like extinct in the wild, so to speak. Uh -oh. I want to be like, you should be happy you're alive. <laughs> Grow wherever. Oh, uh, yeah. You just like you go find one who's struggling in someone's garden. Yeah. And it's like, you know what? All of your ancestors are dead. <laughs> you need to knuckle down. Yeah. So I, mm. it's, it's a tree. It's a persnickety tree. Yeah. I would love to have it, but I would have it as a shrub that can just grow and die because there's enough people who are paying very close attention to this tree but it is kind of this thing where apparently it's just very prone to death oh wow so it makes me think like if we as humanity like for one second are like oh my tree oh god and you turn around and they've all died like i i, I have a feeling that if we just forget yeah. about it for one second we might lose all of them uh, it's it's kind of like a tinkerbell thing like you have to believe in this tree for it to stay alive <laughs> yeah exactly so i think that that is um yeah i think that's just kind of a fun a fun little idea cool 6.1 golden cones of honor 6.1 golden right. cones of honor it's fine if i see the flower it might change my opinion but honestly underplanted but also eh, don't don't worry about it <laughs> it's doing fine um the casey Alex, what do you think? The Franklinia. The wow. Franklinia. The Franklin tree. I don't like that it's... Uh, you know, I liked that name before we started talking about it. Oh, uh, yeah. And then I found out that it was named after uh, Benjamin Franklin. Mm. Yeah, and now that. I just... I think it's kind of a... I think it's kind of a, a fucking scam. <laughs> okay. All um, right. I don't like that. I think yeah. it should be named after... <laughs> after. I think we should... I think researchers should get their shit together, go back and find what the native word for this tree was. Yes. And rename might. it that. Yeah. Much more helpful. Um, I think it's really interesting that there are only... You know, that there were... At one point, there might have been only two, two specimens of this tree growing. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's like, oh, that's like hanging by a thread. How close were you? Yeah. yeah. And it was brought from back from the brink, but it's still, I still get the sense because it's extinct in the wild, so to speak. I still get the sense that it's like really, it has like a sick existence. It's like really sickly and like, it's, it's still hanging on by a thread. We're keeping yeah. it on life support. It's like a diaspora. Yeah. Just yeah. like, I don't know. I, and I, I don't have much love for it. Uh, not just because of my unfamiliarity with it, but because it's not very tree-like. Yeah. Um, I love a big shrub. Sure. Rhododendrons are some of my favorite plants. Yeah. Super hardy. Yeah. They can take it. Right. And I, uh, I, I just think that that form is really beautiful. Mm, yeah. Um, I love a giant shrub. Uh-huh. This one, even if the flowers are gorgeous. <laughs> he says with quotes. 
I I look at them and I'm like, yeah, it's a white, it's a big white flower. Yeah. I don't know. I've seen that a million times. It's a very common flower type, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, um, it's not doing much for me, Casey. Okay. I'm going to give it, oh God, 5.3, wow. I think. Wow. 5.3. I just don't feel a whole lot for it. Um, yeah. Sometimes you'll introduce a tree at the beginning of the episode and I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't really feel anything for this tree. And yeah. by the end, I'm really invested. Yeah. This kind of went the opposite say, direction. backwards to that. <laughs> yeah. Dang. Well, I suppose um, that's the way it goes. Yeah, that's the way it grows, man. Um, hey, that was our review. That was our review. Of the Frank Linnea. Casey, it's time for a segment, a brand new segment to the show. This is the backlog. <laughs> that was my chainsaw. I don't know how you do this, Alex. Casey, <laughs> this is a segment in which you or I talk about a book that has been on our backlog, so to yes. speak. And then we finally got around to reading. That's right. And we have some things to say about it. Yes. And of course, you're you're the one with the book because I don't <laughs> read the time. I don't read the same types of books as you. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Casey, what book is on your backlog today? Today, or I guess that you're taking off your backlog. We yes. got to figure out like the you know the There's kind of the, the world here. building. Yeah, that's very true. We'll get to that later. Well, we usually do that live. Uh, yeah. Uh, yes, this is it. Uh, and also, it's probably going to end up on the uh, on the old internet sometime. The Instagram. Yes, Casey means. exactly. Yes. A lot of people have asked for all these things, and we used to talk about them every now and then, like in a question. Uh-huh. Yeah, so now we're just going to focus on one book right now, tell you about it. We're making it a whole thing. Exactly. The book today is known as The Tree by Colin Tudge. Wow. It's right there in front of you, Alex. So this is a tree book that is like one of my top favorites. Yeah. Um, it is the nerd's book because it starts with a discussion as we've had a couple times what is a tree it says right at the very beginning what the hell is a tree Mm. and this is the famous book where he describes a tree as a bush with a stick up the middle right i just thought was very fun i think we talked about that this episode i think we did yeah, yeah yeah And so this is uh, the book wow. that started that, even brought the idea to my brain, like, oh, there's, what? what is a tree, you know? And then it just sails past that and says, here's how a tree works. Here's how it functions. Here's how it grows. Here are the chemicals inside yeah. in a very easy to understand scientific, uh, kind of popular science way. I love it. And then it goes through all of the trees I know this is not what everyone likes. (laughs) All of the trees. Yes, it goes through and goes through all of the, not families, but the orders. Because he's like, it's too much to do even all the families of everything that we consider a tree. So he goes through and says, here are the orders. This order has all of these trees in it. And it looks like this. And then these trees are on this order. Jeez. And then goes through and is like, yeah, this has a few trees, but most of it's all shrubs and herbs over in this area. This is an aster, the aster folks and all the families and all the things underneath this order and then goes through that Mm. so it's very interesting because he's not just like laying out like here's what they look like and what they do and here's the taxonomic things he says this tree's like this and it grows here and it's a nice narrative that explains all these stuff about it sounds a little bit like completely arbitrary very much is then it ends by talking about some really unique things about how trees grow and it is fascinating like he talks about figs and fig wasps he talks about the dodo and its relationship with a tree and a couple other like really interesting tidbits where he just says so here let me just explain exactly how a tree goes about its daily thing 
and it's just a delight to read. Wow. So if you're interested in trees at a macro, but also very micro level, mm-hmm. this is the tree book for you. I will say also, there aren't that many illustrations. Not a not whole lot. But the ones that are in here are beautiful. Yeah. They're like nice little pencil drawings, right? Yeah. yeah. And they're like very detailed and, and black and white. Yeah. And it's a big book. So, it, I mean, it's not big, but it's like probably 500 pages or so. Maybe yeah. four. Yeah. Let's see. Four, four, 400 or so. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And that's there's a bunch of notes and things at the end, I'm sure. Oh, yes. That's right. So. Um, yeah, Casey, you've, I mean, this this is a tree that, <laughs> this is a tree. This is the book that in the origins of our show, you told me about. Yes. Um, and I said, yeah, I'll read that. Um, sorry. Oh, that's okay. Here we are three years later. <laughs> Don't worry about <laughs> I it. I haven't read it. <laughs> See, this is why there's a division of labor here, Alex. Oh, wow. I'll take on reading this book. It's my burden to bear. Well, no, I would... <laughs> I would like to read this book. I I genuinely think it sounds amazing. All right, okay. Um, whether whether I could process it, maybe you could tell me yeah. what you think. Uh, well, this is the thing. He does a very good job yeah. of giving you the information in a very uh, approachable manner. Well, wonderful. Yeah, so I really appreciate go. that. There's and Casey, here on the uh, so that, again, that is the tree by Colin Tudge, mm-hmm. T U D G E. Um, thanks, Colin. Mr. Tudge. Casey, uh, as a part of this uh, new segment, The Backlog, we'll be rating this book out of zero to 10 golden tomes of honor. That's right. As is appropriate. Mm -hmm. Uh, What would you give the tree? 10 out of 10. Wow. Straight off the bat. Wow. This is by far my favorite tree book. That is a huge statement. It's giant. You have read hundreds. I think, yeah, probably. Or at least, you know, maybe hundreds uh, tree-adjacent books. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'd say maybe you're right. Eh, maybe. Yeah. This is my favorite. That's it's, amazing. It's the perfect amount of popular science and information that is just lovely. Yeah. It's just so good. From what you've described, I think if you're listening to Completely Arbitrary and you like our show you would appreciate this book. Yes, I very much think so. And yeah. its tone and its approachability. Yeah. And in case you want to find it, you can go to arbitrarypod.com slash books. That's right. And then it'll be there. Uh, that is an affiliate link. So we do get a little kickback if you choose that. You don't have to, but don't go to Pals right now because everyone's on strike. So go to a is different- Is that so? Yeah, at least they were for, uh, I think, Labor Day. They specifically did it. Oh. So uh, yeah, get it at your locally uh, your local bookstore that is paying their workers the proper amount. And if you don't have one of those, buy it from our affiliate link. Exactly. Yeah, because you know what? If there is one place that has good labor practices, <laughs> it's it's the company at the end of that affiliate link. Oh, boy. That was the backlog. Thank you, Casey. It's time for our completely arbitrary Q&A. This one, as every week, comes from the Patreon. If you want to get a question on the podcast or have your question answered in a patron-exclusive Q&A episode... Join up, patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. We got one coming out right now. That's right. It's going to be great. Literal moments from now. Yeah. This question is from Sam. Hello, Sam. Uh, What are some of the best, most righteous examples of tree law you've been a part of or have heard about? Casey, you have a background in working uh, for uh, municipal... Uh, cities. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I tried to make it sound smart. Continue. Um, and in tree in the forest departments of cities and yes. things. So you not only deal with trees or have have a, have a deep experience with trees, but 
in their relation to uh, regulation. Ah, uh, yes. That's, and that's law. Correct. Yes. And committees. Etc. Et, et but you, when you were working in Seattle, yeah, you have a wonderful story. Oh, I do. About a couple who tried to kind of work around. Yeah. The law in terms of the trees. Uh huh. The tree law. The tree law. And it did not go their way. Casey, please tell your All right. tree story. I will do that. Your tree uh, law story. This is a tree law story. Uh, so this was when I was working for Let's, a company. You know what? Let's make it a segment. This is now tree law. Um, and we can say uh, border in the court. All right. Everyone sit the hell down. Like a board of wood. Board. Oh, order. Okay. I did not know. I, I was thinking border is in. We're at the border of the state. And I was like... <laughs> Is that a reference to like the border pinion or something? I don't know what that uh, is. So I just went, I just, I just moved on. That's fine. Anyway, yes, border, border in the court. I just moved on. <laughs> it's well, you Thanks, know, Casey. It's Thanks for the support. I, I assume that someone else got the joke. So I just didn't want to ruin <laughs> oh, it for them. Oh, you're getting and, out of the way. I see. Yes, that's okay. all. I was just getting out of the way. Casey, your tree law story. So I was working for a Seattle uh, based company called Tree Solutions. Shout out to all my homies. Yep. Uh, and they, uh, we got called in for a consultation on some trees that were illegally removed. Now, this is in an area called West Seattle, and it was on the east side of the hill that is at the top of West Seattle. West Seattle is just across the, uh, it's a little river and what's now kind of an industrial area and a little inlet of Puget Sound. So it looks kind of like a peninsula way off on the side. Mm-hmm. So this, uh, this little part of town, if you're on that very top area, you have a great view looking out to the east. So you could see all the mountains. You could probably see from there uh, Lake Washington. And I think if you look to the, a little bit to the south, you'd see uh, Tahoma, the mountain we now today call Mount Rainier. Not to be confused with Tacoma. Now, I am not sure actually... I believe they named the town after the mountain, but I've heard Tahoma and Tacoma. Wow. I don't know which is correct. So mm. my apologies if I got it wrong. Seattle historians, yes. shout out at us. Find us. So they, uh, so this, uh, there was this giant uh, like drop off from the front of this house. So for those of you who haven't been to Seattle, it's like San Francisco where it's just really intense hills. And every now and then a hill gets way too intense to make anything. So the road just like stops. Hmm. And then it becomes this like very deep kind of hillside covered in trees that no one cares about. Now those trees grow tall and people who live behind those tall trees don't like them because now they can't see the view, which anywhere in Seattle, there's a view, whether it's the sound, (laughs) a giant mountain, a bunch of giant mountains, another lake, you name it. There's a view somewhere. The top of the space needle. Exactly. That's totally there. The whole skyscrapers of all the city, right? Yeah. So this was a situation where these people bought this house and as, uh, uh, as Modest Mouse has said, uh, they own the land, but they, well, no, what Modest Mouse, eh, they make a line about owning the land, not the view, essentially. Uh, but these people own the land that looked off over this other land that was owned by the city uh, Department of Transportation and the city Parks and Rec Department. And there was a bunch of trees. They're mostly maples, some willows. It's kind of a wetland area hmm. and on the steep slope. 
And so if you looked off uh, in a certain direction from this house, then these trees would be blocking it. So we got called in because all of these trees mysteriously were cut down, like 105, 110 trees. They were all horrible trees. They'd all been topped many different times before. They just were kind of scrubby looking stuff. But trees nonetheless. They At were least still trees. They had the potential to become trees. Wow. So all these, these are like big leaf maple again, some alder. There was uh, maybe a couple cherries there and willows. They were all growing up there. They were all cut down and just left like pickup sticks all over this area. So it was shocking. Like it was easily an acre or so of land where you walk in, you're like, oh my God, Ugh. like this looks like you just clear cut this entire section of not not what should be clear-cut property. I'm reminded of Isengard. It's exactly it. So no one knew exactly <laughs> who did it, uh, uh, but they. Uh, this is the classic thing. If ever a tree's cut down and you want to know, uh, if you look around, you're like, wait, this tree probably got cut down because of a view. If you want to figure out who <laughs> yeah. is probably a likely suspect, stand on that tree, look <laughs> at the thing that is really nice, and then turn 180 degrees. <laughs> You're likely to yeah. have at least one or two ideas of who might have had something to do with this. There you go. So we got called in to do an appraisal to basically say how much was, how much damage was caused, you know, and in Oregon and Washington, if you cut down your neighbor's tree, just doesn't matter whose, if it's not your tree and you cut it down, they can sue you for triple damages because we're a timber state. So you don't want oh. to, uh, I don't rather want you to come onto my property, cut down a couple of my trees and then be like, oh, whoops, sorry, I didn't know they were your trees. Right. Here's your 40 bucks. I'd be like, no, no, no. You knew they were my trees don't touch them you need to do your due diligence you owe me a hundred and twenty dollars so it's a it's a way to basically yeah make everyone be like okay this is not worth my time so uh that law still applies today in both (laughs) states so they said how much uh give us appraisal for the trees that were damaged we did that we also talked to some of the people that we knew and say how much would it cost for you to come in there with this fancy machine and clear all of this land because right now you can't even walk on it they literally pick up sticks of logs so we're like how much would it cost for you to come in and just grind all this down then how much will it cost for this company to come in and restore the whole thing so the uh, so that was our job. Like, what are the damages here? They actually, uh, the city of Seattle departments also started working with their police because now this became an illegal trespassing case wow. where the damage that was done was to the extent that it became a, a felony, I think, or misdemeanor. Wow. One of the two, like higher up than just a slap on the wrist, you uh-huh. did a bad thing. So the police... Uh, stood on the stumps they looked behind they said okay we're gonna knock on those doors right there so you know an arborist comes up and says did you cut down these trees and you're like "Mm, no a cop comes up and knocks on your door and says hi i'm officer this doing investigation on who did all this do you have any information you're a lot more hesitant to just lie outright Mm. so they said oh yeah we actually we did yeah 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 one person said yes they hired some people doesn't matter like they were just the the grunts who they hired off craigslist or something to remove these trees. Yeah, this wasn't like an arborist company. No, no, an arborist company would not do this. Yeah. And if they did, they're they're just no good at being arborists. They're just taking money to do illegal tree work. So they hired some people, they cut down all the trees, and then said, oh yeah, well we actually just hired this company, these random people, to just just take a little off the top. We didn't, huh, we didn't know they were going to do this. Mm-hmm. And they 
coincidentally, conveniently, were out of town that weekend. Mm. So they weren't even there. They couldn't have said no. <laughs> Don't cut down those trees. No, just a little off the top. Stop. <laughs> they it reminds me of it. Uh, <laughs> when Willy Wonka, the original one. Where yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Don't stop. Yeah, exactly. A hundred percent is exactly Please. what it is. Please don't. Oh my gosh. So, um, so the the cops are like, okay, so you you had something to do with it. You admitted, you know, that you hired these people, and nobody believed him for a second that it was an accident that they cut down all these trees. So they uh, the all the data was put in, sent in our report, and the amount of money that uh, then was slapped on a lawsuit from the people uh, from the city to these property owners were like. million or something like that. It was all the cost, triple the cost of the damage for the removal of the trees, the cost to clean it up, the cost to restore the whole thing to a viable wetland and actually have new tall trees growing there, healthy trees, not top trees. Then the the fines for cutting down street trees because they're technically right-of-way trees that they cut down. Outside of the right-of-way, it was parks property. So that's going on to the parks property and illegally removing their trees. So you have a fine for each of those things for all the trees that were located within those property boundaries. Then on top of that, this is the cherry on the cake. The lawsuit, the state or the city talked with the assessor of, I guess it's King County, and said, reassess the property value of this house, as opposed to what it was when there were not this fantastic view in front of it. And they sued them for the difference, the increased value of the property <laughs> because of their their essentially timber trespass on this parks and right-of-way property. So they sued them for everything including the kitchen sink they're like yeah yeah whatever you gained from this we're now taking from you monetarily speaking wow so even if you do sell your house eh you actually like you haven't gained anything you essentially paid upwards of one million dollars to get your now increase of twenty thousand dollars i don't know how it turned out i think they settled out of court but i don't know i lost track of the case some years ago but Famous, and it was the one time that the city or like the entity that needed to have the validation, I guess, actually said, no, no, we're throwing the book at you because this is ridiculous. You cannot just go onto someone else's property, remove their tree because you have the view. It's you, stunning. Yeah. Did you find this Modest Mouse line? I thought oh, you were looking you know, up for uh, Yeah, I was Googling. They got the land, but we got the view. Uh. I think that's the line. This is twofold, an extremely satisfying story because mm-hmm. there is some justice served to yeah. these idiots. But it is also, it just makes, it's like so heartbreaking, not even for the trees, but I'm like heartbroken that like a member of our species could be so like selfish and oh, short-sighted. Right. Um, it's so, so, so selfish and lacks such a, such self-awareness yeah um it just really bums me out it is and it's also greed like you live at the top of a hill in the fanciest neighborhood in this very expensive fancy city but your view isn't perfect your view's not perfect yeah Yeah. and now you're gonna make it perfect it's just so frustrating and i it's one thing i actually really appreciate portland's not perfect but even you go into the West Hills, there are still people that are doing this for sure. I've seen it myself. Mm. But for the most part, 
there's you're just not doing that maybe it's that there's not a view but you can go into these areas and people are like actually i like all the trees that's why i live here right and i can see it wait till the trees grow tall then prune them up a little bit and then you're just looking underneath the canopy Mm. yes there's a stem right there (laughs) oh my god look a little bit to the right (laughs) it's just so like like are you so needy that you have to have not only 180 degrees of a view but you can't have a single bit of obstruction inside that view and also yeah honestly like you know inside your home you can do whatever you want yeah it's your thing You, you can make it as meticulously designed as you please yeah but that is not inside your home. It's not even your property. No. You don't own the view. It's you like didn't a, you didn't buy that. Yeah, it's just like the one little bit of nature outside that's that the, in this fucking huge pollution filled city. Yeah. Like just enjoy it. Yeah. Oh my just, god, it's just so heartbreaking. It. it makes it me is. so upset. Yeah, it's a it is it is an interesting thing. I mean, how many people who have zero money are going to be spending any amount of money to get rid of a bunch of trees yeah. that are causing them no harm at all? You know, yeah. they're like, actually, no, these trees are way better right here. My kids go out and play there. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Yeah, the story has a lot of problems. It totally does. And uh, yeah, one of these days, maybe uh, maybe I'll look to figure out and do the research to see if I can find this uh, this case and see what happened to yeah, it. Yeah, whatever happened. Yeah, I'll figure it out. Well, there you go. Thank you, Sam. Tree law. Tree law. Tree law. <laughs> For your tree law question, if you've got a question question for us tree law or not join up on the patreon patreon.com slash arbitrary pod it's a great way to support completely arbitrary if you get to the end of your month and think yeah that was worth that was worth five or ten bucks what i got out of completely arbitrary casey and alex consider giving that money to us (laughs) Uh, we've got a bunch of different tiers on there for different price points it is a monthly subscription I've said this, I think every episode for the last three months, we're working on getting lump sum payments so that you can just like pay once for the year. Oh, yeah. A lot of people like that. And Patreon recently introduced it. I just need to sit down and set it up. It will happen. I promise you that. Um, Of course, the crown jewel of the Patreon is the Cone of the Month Club. Every month we get a different artist to illustrate a conifer cone from a different species each month. We get it printed on a sticker. We put that sticker in an envelope with a little info card so you can learn a thing or two about that species and we send it to your mailbox and it's a it's a it's not it's not just a great way to support this podcast it is a great way to uh, grow your own little sticker cone collection. That's exactly right. And cone collections are the coolest collection. It's true. Period. Stickers are all the rage. Yeah, everyone everyone thinks that. We know it, you know it. We're not we're not doing anything new here. Hey, I just had an idea for a piece of merch. A sticker? Yeah. Oh, my God. (laughs) That'll be our first one. (laughs) Who was that sticker designer in the 90s? Lisa Frank, Casey. That's right. Like a Lisa Frank style uh, cone cone sheet. Oh, yeah. Sticker sheet. Let's do that. Or just like tree, like tree themed sticker sheet. Done. Got to find a Lisa Frank style artist. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Lisa Frank's still kicking around. Yeah, yeah, we'll give her a call. (laughs) I've got her number in my phone. Uh, Yeah, join the Cone of the Month Club or one of the other tiers if you want to support this podcast. We greatly appreciate it. Every dollar goes back into, ultimately into making the show that you love so much. That's right. Casey Clapp. Alex Croson. Another good episode. Another another classic to add to the books. Classic. 
Um, thank you for sitting here with me for the last uh, four hours and talking. Wow, that's how long we've been here? <laughs> yeah. Jeez. We got to get out of here. Casey, I wanted you to like push your microphone away. <laughs> Just get out of here. <laughs> I've had enough to eat. You push the plate. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I have been saved. <laughs> wow, we finally we finally <laughs> filled up Casey Clap with enough tree talk. <laughs> He's giving a... Uh, we need a video component. <laughs> we do. Hey, thank you so uh, much for listening to this episode of Completely Arbitrary. We will talk to you next time. Goodbye. A goodbye. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by Aves and the Mini Vandals. And you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. And find additional readings at completelyarbitrary.com. Thanks for listening. 